This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that's no longer a sedative for your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is on a mission to make the most of the loaf, to rid the world of GMOs, high fructose corn syrup, and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. Killer taste, killer texture, and always organic. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread amplified. What's up, friends? We made it. The end of 2022. How was your year? Was it good? I hope it was. And this episode is Noah and I recapping on some of the stories that we covered this year, talking about 2023, and just having a good time. So I hope you enjoyed this special I guess, year-end recap episode of the podcast. I do want to say such a sincere thank you to all of you who listen to the show. I mean, I when I started this podcast in March of 2021, I didn't know if five people or 10 people or one person would listen to it. And to have over half a million downloads at the end of this year is such an honor. Thank you for making this show what it is. I know many of you engage in our other spaces like on Instagram or TikTok or our Facebook community. I I can't say thank you enough. I'm humbled and blown away. I love doing this work. I wake up thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it. My, My struggle is turning this off and not doing work, honestly, which is for me, not usually the case, but my 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 life is immersed in this. Um, because of you, I was able to go to Turning Point America, uh, USA's America Fest, and to share my experience. We did so many cool things that we'll talk about in this podcast, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but again, sincere, sincere thank you for making this show possible. One thing I will say, this is your last shot. If you are interested in in supporting our work and helping to hold space for thousands of people navigating through this really tricky part of their life, trying to rethink their faith, now is the time to donate before the end of the year so you get a tax deduction and we are able to start 2023 off strong financially. I say this often, but it's true. This work is not possible without the generosity of people in this community. We don't charge for anything. We don't have paywalls. We don't do Patreon accounts. Every podcast episode is totally free to listen to. And the reason we're able to do that is because people sustain us. And also, frankly speaking, your donation holds space for someone in the community. I've gotten so many messages this year of people thanking us for being here, thanking us for this space. And it's made possible because of people like you. So if you want to donate, it takes less than three minutes. It takes Apple Pay, PayPal, whatever you want to do. Go to the link in our show notes, tap on the support our work, and you'll be all set to go. And we have a we really are honored and we we are incredibly grateful for your donation because it makes this work possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Without further ado, here is my recap with Noah. I hope you enjoy it. I'll talk to you all in 2023. All right, here we go.
feels like the um, beginning of a Looney Tunes episode to me. You know, like the little <laughs> little like stop clock that would count down the beginning of old yes. cartoons. That's what it makes me think of. Yeah, I I feel very official when 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 that little countdown comes on. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, get ready, lights, camera, action! And uh, here we are. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the New Evangelicals podcast, and also. The last episode of 2022. We did it, Noah. A full year of podcast. I I don't even know where the past year has gone, honestly. It's been a total whirlwind, but it's been so much fun. <laughs> it's been great. And also, as an organization, this is our first full year of podcasting because we started the podcast in March of 2021. So um, so this is our first January to January, you know, year. Of podcasting, I figured we'd do maybe a, a little bit of, of of a 2022 year end recap for both the new evangelicals and the podcast, talking about some of the big stories that 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 we talked about. Because honestly, I don't think we, I think we we forget how much happens in a year, right? I mean, yeah. things that that maybe we'll talk about might feel so distant, but. Really, we're only in the past year. And I had Riley. Well, Riley did some research for us. Uh, she's awesome. And she just gave me like almost 45, maybe 50 items of things that either happened in our culture or things that we talked about. And so I figured on this episode, maybe we can highlight a few of them, just kind of talk about some of the big ones. And then we'll talk about just how we think the year went for us and for the community. And then we'll bring in the new year in 2023 and we'll hit the ground running with more podcasting <laughs> because that's what we do now. We podcast. Uh, all right. So I think we should start with in, in the beginning of January last year, um, the passion 2022 conference happened. You remember that? What, what month would that have been? Would that have been like February or January, January, January. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so four months, so, four year ago, four year ago, four year ago. Now, don't forget, COVID was still exploding in a lot of ways, yeah. and there was a there was a huge surge in Georgia. The Passion Conference is a massive. I think there's like sixty thousand people who attend this thing. It's sponsored by Louis Giglio's church, Passion City. It's a who's who of worship leaders. It's a massive like revival type of event, and they sure. held this 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 massive event. With no social distancing, no masking, while a surge was happening in Georgia, uh, and we right. called it out. And the the video actually on TikTok went like viral. It did like, I think, close to a quarter of a million views or something like. That. It was a crazy amount. Um, and um, you know, I just think it's interesting that we think about COVID for a lot of us, not for everyone, because there are certain people that COVID really still affects. But I think as a as a society, a lot of us have kind of. We kind of think about COVID as being so long ago already, but it's only been a year and we're still seeing some microsurges in different areas. It's still a thing that's happening. And I mean, wow. Wow. Well, I think that that's just a testament to how batshit this entire year has been, that something that significant feels so far in the past because it's like every day, if you're keeping track of the news and what's going on, it's like enough for a whole year's worth of processing, you know, it feels like I know. there's no time to process anything because it just keeps hitting you with the next crazy, whatever is going on in our spaces. Well, l- let me read off. L- let me just go through some of these highlights, kind of just, just, just knocking them off. So people can, can, can be aware of how many things happened in this year uh, or happened this year. So uh, January 6th was one year after the insurrection. John MacArthur says from the pulpit, he, he doesn't support religious freedom. 
which became a major theme throughout evangelicalism. Um, let's see. Jack Hibbs says that slavery wasn't that bad. <laughs> we, we covered that. There's the Hillsong um, uh, like event that happened following Passion 2022, ignoring COVID protocols. Um, Doug Wilson says that um, the women are primarily sandwich makers and baby makers. John Cooper tells deconstructionists to shut up. Uh, Putin's invasion of Ukraine happened. Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks at America Fest. Uh, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> That's not true. Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks at America First, which is Nick Fuentes' political action convention. Nick Fuentes is an openly white nationalist, anti-Semitic, racist, homophobic bigot. And she defended that decision. Um, Julie Royce broke the story that John MacArthur kicked a woman out of his church whose husband ended up getting arrested for molesting their kids. Um, and that became a whole thing. And today he's still preaching and still seen as a loved, you know, uh, preacher of God. Ali Stuckey defended him in, 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 a, in a video later on. Um, let's see. We have, uh, Ali, yeah, I have it here. Ali B. Stuckey defended John MacArthur. We, we covered Dominion theology. Um, there was the Buffalo shooting where we saw the great re uh, replacement theory on full display in, in, in the shooter's manifesto. Um, white supremacy and evangelism, we uh, evangelicalism, we, we covered. There's the Pride Month and a pastor in Texas calling for queer people to be, to be put to death. Roe v. Wade is overturned. Uh, Dream City Church comes into the forefront, where he, which becomes kind of the central hub for Turning Point Faith and Turning Point America uh, or Turning Point USA. CPAC hosted Victor Orban, who is a borderline fascist over in Hungary. That was a major issue. Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, visits the January 6th prison um, um, and, and actually stages like, like a prison cell at CPAC where people are fighting and praying for the release of people who, who stormed the Capitol building. I mean, these are this is all in the past year. Um, we have the whole grooming rhetoric that came up. We saw a rise in anti-Semitic um, um, language from, from Christian nationalists like Andrew Torba, um, Kanye, now known as Ye, uh, and Nick Fuentes went, visited Trump at Mar-a-Lago. And of course, there was the Club Q shooting uh, right in Colorado Springs, you know, killing several people. That's all in the past year. Oh, also, Matt Chandler stepped away for three months for something for some reason that we don't really know, uh, and came back three months later to a round of applause. So, I mean, that's just that. That's maybe a quarter of what Riley gave me that we covered. That is just one hell of a year, honestly. That's a lot. I, you know, I think like in high school when I took a history class, and you they would like summarize maybe you know, 10 years, like a decade. And they say, these are all the crazy shit that happened in that decade. And you go, whoa, how did people even like deal with that much insanity? And then just with that list that you just read off happening in a year. And it's not that that wasn't true then too. There's always crazy stuff going on. that doesn't make it in the book, but it just shows you how much can happen in 365 days. That's insane. And it's just yeah. it's way too much to process. <laughs> well, yeah. And also, Wait, don't I, forget. I don't even know what to do with that information, Tim. And that's not including <laughs> the fact that 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 the new evangelicals went to theology uh, beer camp with Trip Four, right? right. You and I went yeah. to that in October, and then I went to America Fest last week. So it, it has been quite the year, even as an organization, um, beyond what's happened in in the circles that we swim in. You know, I I, I think. And I, I can answer this question first, Noah, but I'm kind of curious to hear when you think about this year, what stood out to you? One thing that, that stood out to me, I think, um, 
I wouldn't say the most, but definitely still sticks out to me, is the reality that that Julie Royce broke the story that John MacArthur and his church had three known pedophiles on their staff and really never admitted it publicly, never talked about it, never really, really handled it correctly. I mean, there are three very detailed stories. I'm not going to go into it now. We covered it at length. Sure. The reality is the bottom line is that there were three men who were hired pastors on staff at John MacArthur's church, two of which ended up molesting their own children. Okay. And, and this broke and John MacArthur to this day has never responded to the allegations, has never said anything. And it's just so mind blowing to me that, that, that the spaces John occupies tend to include a lot of this groomer rhetoric, right? We, we saw this real spike. I mean, critical race theory went to the wayside this year in, in right-wing right. talking points, and groomer became the new thing. And and it was used as a way to say people, uh, drag queens should not be reading to children. Uh, drag queen shows are o- always grooming children sexually, and therefore we're going to use this language of groomer to make sure that, that we protect the kids. Meanwhile... People like John MacArthur actually have men who literally groomed their own kids and molested them, and that goes that goes in and out of of the ears of those people who are pointing at Drag Queen Story Hour, right? And to yeah. me, that is just so shocking. And I, I want to make something very clear because I'm actually going to make a video on this. I think at some point, uh, maybe this week or next week. There have definitely been uh, several stories of 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 drag queens at, at a library who were found guilty or who were arrested for having things like child abuse material on their computer. Sure, Obviously, yeah. I support mandatory background checks for anyone in a public position like that speaking to children. I'm all about Absolutely. that, right? But let's not pretend like kids when they go to drag queen story hour are being sexually abused like they are with the numerous stories that came out from i i went through julie royce's website yesterday and just typed in the word arrested i found dozens of stories of pastors arrested for actually literally abusing children in their church i'm not talking about you know they read them a story and they were actually a convicted you know um uh predator okay i'm not i'm that would be bad enough. I'm talking about pastors who actually groomed children and assaulted them. And I'm just so frustrated with this rhetoric being used to really demonize, right, an entire group or groups of people uh, while, act, while, while while completely ignoring legitimate grooming that's happening inside the church. That's what frustrates me to, to no end. So I think this year, that's one of the big things that's, that really stood out to me. Yeah, and I think in the same way, this year gave context, I think, to me in so many ways of a lot of the frustrations that I felt within the evangelical church, particularly for a long time, because we had so many of these stories come out this year. And we had, of course, also the Hillsong documentaries and the Falwell documentaries and all these ways where the hypocrisy and the abuse is covered up in these spaces and nothing changes. There's no accountability in those spaces. There's no recognition that something wrong happened and we have to do something very real to change it. Uh, it's always kind of brushed aside. And I think that for, in so many ways for me this year, it was it was just this raising of awareness of how deep those problems actually go and how much work it actually 
needs to take place to create actual change in those kind of spaces and overthrow the, the power dynamics and the tribalism that are causing this kind of harm to be perpetuated. No, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I just don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to be a thing. I mean, Probably again, when, when, when your concern is, is, uh, you know, children with their parents listening to someone tell them a children's story in a public setting. And you're not concerned about the fact that one of the largest and most influential pastors in America, John MacArthur, had three actual pedophiles on his staff, two of which molested their own kids. And your response is, well, he's preaching the gospel faithfully, but right, that library right. is grooming children. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, to date, there is not one story of, of a child being actually assaulted at Drag Queen Story Hour, which makes sense because I think the stat is like 93% of child sexual abuse cases are are happen between people and the child who have, who have some kind of relationship, okay? Sure, yeah. So it's, it's incredibly rare for just a random, no relationship built situation where a child is sexually assaulted. That's why churches can be a place where this happens. Now, I want to be clear to the audience. What I'm not saying is that all pastors are groomers. I'm not saying that. I don't think that's the case for any group of people, however we, we tend to identify them. But what's frustrating is how that word has been used to cover an entire subsection of our population, really a, a pretty, fr I don't mean this in a negative way, but in a, a pretty fringe part of the population, meaning there's not many people, right, who 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 dress up in drag or who are even queer, sure. statistically speaking, right? But they use that language to blanket all of them. Like if you dress in drag, you're automatically a groomer, okay? But then when it comes to the pastors, they won't even say, well, we should, we should talk about this. They just completely right. ignore it. And what I'm trying to say is well, like, I, you're never going to hear me say, sorry, Noah, really quick, and then it's all yours. You're never going to hear me say that, you know, pastors are groomers, meaning every right. pastor is grooming a child. But you will hear me say that we if you look at the numbers, you look at the stories, you see many more examples of pastors and faith leaders, we can say, sexually assaulting children than we can of this happening at a library, for example. Does that make sense? Yeah, for me, when I when I think about that, and it's kind of the point of what I was uh, saying earlier was... There is so much fear built into the culture of these evangelical spaces of losing any cultural ground. And so it's very difficult when you're in that kind of environment, when it's us against the world and everyone's out to get us, to ever admit fault for something, to ever take accountability for harm that's caused in those spaces, because it seems like you're you're losing ground in the culture that way. You're losing something about your position of being higher than, of being holier than, the culture around you. And then it, it makes it impossible for true accountability to happen because we're not actually being honest about the, the flaws and the faults in those systems or in those people in power. And I think even when, when we were looking at that list this year and we had, you know, examples like John Cooper telling people that are deconstructing and, and changing their relationship with maybe God or the Bible to shut up, to go away, to declare war against those people. And you see this all over in the apologetic spaces right now. I spent yeah. a lot of my time uh, for some reason or another, <laughs> I spent a lot of my time listening to podcasts and uh, YouTube talks with popular apologists in these spaces. And there is just this incredible amount of fear that we're we're losing people, we're losing ground. And and almost like they, they don't know what to make of that. 
And so every one of these examples where there's some kind of abuse happening in those spaces, there's there's not really room to look at that honestly and cause it to create self-reflection and say, hey, you know, maybe maybe this isn't even just a bad apple. Maybe this is a product of a, a problematic system or a problematic theology even because it's going to, it feels like it's hurting, hurting the witness, right? It's like the cliche phrase, right? We can't make the church look bad. And it makes change and growth just absolutely impossible. And then when you deflect that into the culture and you say, well, no, it's actually about the people out there. It's about the, the groomers at the drag shows. It doesn't matter if that intellectually makes any sense because it provides a way to just take all of that, um, fear and just throw it on somebody else so I don't have to look at myself in the mirror and say, hey, maybe I'm actually complicit in something harmful here. Or maybe maybe there's work that I need to do in my own church community to to change something that's that's really problematic. I yes. I mean and that's what so many people in the spaces that we exist in are calling for, right? I mean I think that that there's this misperception that people are demanding perfection. And we're not. We're demanding accountability, right? We know that in any place in in society, bad things can happen, okay? And the church is no exception to that. And so when these bad things happen, what we're asking for is for accountability to happen and for change to happen so those things are minimized, right? And it seems like when you do that, what you're told is that, you know, you're divisive, you're a bad Christian, you're blaspheming the bride of Christ. But then those same people, or or what they'll say is, well, not all Christians, right? Not all pastors. Yeah. But then they'll turn around and use the grooming language to blanket an entire people group or type of person, whoever they're thinking about in their head, to say these people as as a group, which is so funny because oftentimes it's the same people who tell you that identity politics are from you know the left and that <laughs> and that and that group think isn't biblical and you know everyone's sure. judging on their own individual actions, but that's out the window. Now this group is is the groomer. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I I think for me that was one of my most puzzling uh pieces of 2022 is just like I don't know what it will take for for the evangelical machine to actually look at itself and look at the at the countless examples of people in these spaces who have done serious harm to children some of which were moved to other churches some of which are yeah. still preaching uh some of which the churches said we don't you know we shouldn't cast judgment until we know more details like a very a very gentle and soft approach to these men who sexually molested children. But, you know, drag queens are destroying America, right? I mean, that that's kind of the dichotomy that we're forced to talk about because of the language coming out from these spaces. So I I think that's important. Well, and and I know that you've been you've been talking about this a lot and you've already had podcasts and interviews and YouTube videos about this. But I'm so curious because we haven't had time to really like dialogue about this much after you came back from the America Fest. And there was one uh, one thing that you said with the podcast last week about that that I thought was really interesting, where you kind of talked about how the the language of fear is always shifting, where maybe it was CRT or maybe it was uh, the queer community, and now it's the groomers. And there's always something to be afraid of, and it usually involves children because that's just a very easy way to manipulate people is to be to fear for the children, right? How did you see this kind of shifting and kind of like deflecting 
particularly in the religious sense in the evangelical sense at America Fest was there a lot of was there any talk at all about the abuse scandals in the church over the past year or any of those issues that are being brought up in like the work that we're doing no zero and and Dan asked me this question on on our uh, turning point debrief, so people can listen to more of you know the details there. But no, there was absolutely no talk about this. And don't forget, Ali Stuckey, who was at this event, she defended MacArthur. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap, and the sound of me not doing dishes, and the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that. She essentially cast doubt on the story and then called him a good gospel preaching man. I actually did a three-minute response that was so, I guess, effective. Julie Royce picked it up and, and reshared it because Allie was, was saying things that were blatantly just not true. So, so no, I mean, if anything, it's a defense. We have to we have to protect the church. Uh, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail upon it. It's that kind of idea. Um, and again, you know, I also love the church, which is why I have devoted my entire day job, so to speak, and life to the work that we do at the New Evangelicals because I actually give a shit. I do care. If I didn't care, Noah, if you didn't care, if if, if our 20-something volunteers didn't care, if our 3,000-plus donors this year didn't care, we wouldn't be doing this, right? We wouldn't be yeah. giving money. We wouldn't be talking about it. We wouldn't be spending hours you know, getting podcast episodes together because we care that people who claim to be part of the church are committing a lot of harm with no accountability. That's all we're asking for. Can we please just have people say, this is wrong, that person should not be in power. I mean, one more, and now I'll stop talking about this because the whole point was not to talk about groomers today, but <laughs> while we're at the, on the topic, you know, I shared this kind of idea in, in, on a tweet and someone shared a few stories of drag queens, uh, or I guess people who, who who did drag queen story hour who were found later on to you know um, have child um, abuse material on their computer sure, and then yeah. if you really if you read what the library says they go yeah we should have had background checks we didn't this person will obviously no longer be here and this was terrible and wrong and we're gonna make sure it doesn't happen again that's kind of the vibe right. which yeah. is more accountability than so many of these <laughs> churches that's what it blows me away like that's all the church has to do right is just say hey we know mark driscoll was super abusive he will not speak at our events. We're not going to give him book deals. He will not repent. And even if he did, he does not. He he should not be in a platform position given his 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 history of abuse, right? Um, right. Or or whoever else. I mean, you know, insert someone like that here. Now, obviously, Mark Driscoll hasn't molested children. I'm not saying that, but I'm just making the point of like that's all you have to do when it comes to to these people who are so problematic is simply yeah. say. Here you go. It's not going to happen again. We're taking steps to make sure it doesn't happen. But instead, we get defense. We get defense, defense, defense. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I'm curious. This is this is me trying to be a glass half full kind of person, okay? okay. Because it, in the midst of a year of a lot of abuse scandals and tragedies and seeing ways where the church continues to be complicit in power within our community, Personally, I've experienced a lot of just therapeutic healing with the events that we've gone to and participated in with with all the work that we're doing and seeing the people come together and, and create community in these spaces after 
leaving behind this evangelical tradition and being told that there's nothing for us out there. I'm really curious to hear from you, like, what's if if you had to say like something positive about this year, like something that was really influential to you, maybe it was like a speaker that we worked with uh, at one of these events or through the podcast and like a, a new theological tradition you were exposed to or um, whatever, like what, what was something if we want to like reflect back on the year and go like, oh yeah, well, you know, that was pretty cool. Well, I, th- what, what would be something I think for our live podcast event was awesome. We yes. road trip down with Mike and we had what 55 people come out and it was just fun. And we all hung out afterwards. We got, you know, we got some food and it, that was for me, therapeutic. I mean, that was, we're, Listen, we're hanging out with April Joy. We're meeting people from the community, people that I DM almost every day. I finally have some kind of face now to that screen name. And we're laughing. We're crying. We're talking about all kinds of stuff. That was just a great trip. It was a blast. And it was so good meeting people. Also in Nashville, too. We stopped in Nashville for a bit. So I think for me, that was one of the highlights of of 2022. Yeah, dude. That That was such a fun trip. And it just like reaffirmed to me this idea that there is community out there. I know I'm repeating myself here, but I I feel like I have to keep reminding myself of that every day. And that trip was just so influential to me that way. And the same way with beer camp, you know, and and a couple of the other events that we did a couple of the little in-person meetups here and there throughout the year. And just seeing that there is something, there is a way of, of following Jesus and doing that even in community uh, after this tradition that we're, you know, maybe leaving bits of behind. Yeah, that was really encouraging. I mean, I people, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how people view me as a person, um, but I think that sometimes there could, be, there could be this perception that if you're on this side of the microphone or, or the screen, that, that, that you don't get lonely or that, or that you don't have the same struggles that some people might have, right? But honestly, like, this community has sustained me this year, right? I mean, we lost a lot of things uh, last year in, in April and, and it's been helpful to know that I'm not alone in how I think about this stuff. It's been helpful to know that my thoughts aren't crazy town, right? And that some people are like, yes, no, we get it. And also meeting people like Pete Enns um, and, and Dr. Angela Parker and Trip Fuller, just working with those people and seeing that, that, that there are serious scholarly academic ways to engage the Christian tradition that takes the concerns that you were told are just due to your lack of biblical knowledge. Seriously. You know, like when you say yeah. like, yeah, um, you know, maybe it's kind of messed up that, that, that God is so angry. He had to kill his son so we can go to heaven. And they're like, you know, and some, some people would say, well, you just don't understand the Bible. Your hermeneutic <laughs> is terrible. But then you have trip Fuller Who's like, yeah, that's kind of bullshit. Right. I'm like, yes, trip. Yes. Are there better ways? He's like, yes, there are other ways of thinking about this. Right. So I think that was helpful for me too, to know that like in the beginning of this work for me, I would get really insecure when people in who I would call evangelical gatekeepers would say things like that, right? Like, well, you just don't understand the Bible. You don't understand context. But I think knowing the people that I've been able to meet and just hearing them and having them on the podcast and reading their books gives me much more of a sense of, of security of like, no, this is a valid critique. It is a valid question for this perspective. And your answer of you just don't know the Bible well enough is not a good answer, period. And I'm not going to accept that anymore. So that was helpful for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I 
totally resonate with that. I feel like there's so much uh, gatekeeping and gaslighting in that way where the, the questions aren't truly valid or it just comes out you just don't get it, um, especially in the apologetics world. But I think one of the things that was really influential for me over this past year, yeah, I've been trying me. to prioritize. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you my little glimmer of hope here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is being exposed in so many ways to just the diversity of of Christian theology here and now and throughout history, and particularly the the liberation strains of it. Because when I was first starting to question a lot of the ideas that I grew up with, they were still very uh, lofty. It was concepts like atonement theology or hell theology or, or things like that, where I was like still kind of existing in the the bubble, I guess, of the, the evangelical mind of like what it actually means to follow Jesus. And those things were really helpful. It, it changed my view of, of maybe what God is like. Uh, or how I can exist to love other people in the world. And it was really important to start questioning those things. But I think when I, this year for me, I was really exposed to the idea of a gospel that touches so many more pieces of life here and now that isn't so focused on some kind of escape, some kind of uh, what whatever happens after this, but is actually about what is the good news here and now for people that are experiencing oppression? And what does that look like for me to participate in that um, and experience God through that work? And to me, that was, I was always told that that was like, oh, that's like a social gospel. That's bad. You know, don't think about that. And this year for me has been so transformative because I've just come to see how much more, I think personally, how much more relevant and important the message of Jesus actually is in the here and now in our world. Because it it challenges these systems of oppression. It challenges the way in which I see and view other people as an enemy. And I'm like kind of struggling for the words here because these concepts are still honestly really new to me. And I'm still yeah. thinking through and processing like what they actually look like. But seeing the idea that that there's so much more to not just the Christian tradition, but like what it what it means for me to pursue Jesus. That is, it feels so much more meaningful and so much more true than what I feel like I was given growing up as the definitions of those things. Tell and me experiencing if I'm wrong. that in community. Yeah, sure. Tell me, tell me if this is a fair assessment for you. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of this deconstruction thing, it's freaking scary, and you're like, "Where am I going to end up?" But the more you go through with it and listen and learn and study, the more you're like, actually there's actually a lot of like life on the other side of some of this stuff. Yes. And now I'm kind of like, you know, at least for me, it's not so much a, a worry of right or wrong. It's more about a curiosity to explore. And I feel like I'm kind of in that Absolutely. phase now. How do you feel about that? Yeah. There's, there's no fear to ask the questions or engage with different ideas. I'm not. And I mean, I rant about this every time I, every time I get on the podcast, I try not to just go down the, the hell rap, but like I, I'm such Do an it. existential, I'm just an existential person. And so everything to me is like ultimate sense of meaning, ultimate this, ultimate that. <laughs> and I just, I f have spent my whole life feeding on that. And I yeah. think now being able to like, just here, I'll go real hippie instead, just like to ground myself. You know what I mean? To like totally. actually be in the moment and say, what does this moment actually have for me here and now? And not to be afraid of wherever that takes me has been so freeing and has 
personally for me, allowed me to experience God in ways that I had always wanted to and didn't, and we're starting to think wasn't actually possible. And so, and to, and to see God in, in other people that I used to think of as some kind of enemy that I had to defeat, you know? And so absolutely it's, it's been so freeing and exciting. And, and that's where these going to these events and hearing people's stories. Now people's stories aren't a threat to me anymore because they expand my view of of people and of god and of the world and of everything (laughs) and now i'm just being all like i don't know like it's weird talking like that because like growing up i've been like that's so like i don't know but it's it's exciting and it just makes me so ready to have more of those conversations and do more community events because i just want to i want to learn from people and i want to hear their stories and i'm not scared of where that takes me yeah. I love that. And I, I think that there could be some people maybe in the beginning stages of what they might call deconstruction or just kind of where, where we were maybe even last year. Right. And I get it. it. It is terrifying, but I promise the more you keep going and keep pushing through the, those moments of fear, it is, and not to overuse the word, but it's incredibly liberating on the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, I remember having panic attacks about, about hell. Like, what if I'm wrong? What if when I die, I'm just going to burn forever? And like, I don't know. It just seems like the more I've been able to read and, and talk to people and hang out with people um, who are brilliant, the more I'm like, you know, that's a pretty irrational fear that I had for a while, you know, and it was kind of sure. ingrained in me at a young age, which is why it's such a sincere belief but also like it's a pretty unhealthy view, for example, you know, to use the hell, the, to, to use the topic of hell. So I, I hear you on that now. And I think for me this year as well, I've only grown more in, in, into that position, right? Of like, I am more curious than ever. I'm even willing to reapproach the Bible again. I'm more curious about the Bible than I've been in a long time. Like, and, and that just, I'm not telling people out there who aren't there that you have to be where I'm at. I'm just sharing where I am in my own, you know, faith journey, really. Yeah. Um, which will ebb and flow. There might be times where I'm like, no, I need a break again and vice versa. Yeah. But it, it is interesting to kind of be in that headspace of like, yeah, I don't feel this overwhelming sense of like, is God going to strike me down uh, at any <laughs> minute be- or at, at any moment because I'm believing the wrong thing? I don't have that in my head nearly as much as I used to even a couple months ago. Well, and there was there was a something Pete N said when we were at the theology beer camp where he said that I've come to the I'm going to probably butcher this quote. I think it was on his Instagram recently, so go there and, and make sure I'm not <laughs> drastically misrepresenting Pete. But um, something he said to the effect of I've come to the conclusion that the only things I can truly know about God are the things that I have experienced, and how growing up in such an intellectually minded tradition where it was all head knowledge. And yeah. now I think that that's, to me, that's been a huge shift in why these stories are so meaningful to me is because that whole experiential, the mystical would be one word for it. The, the idea of, of, again, I'm, I'm struggling for the words because I'm still processing a lot of these ideas, honestly, because yeah. they, they conflict with all of the like intellectual categories. And that's the language I have, because that's the language I grew up with. but. Right this the the experiential nature of the divine as present in the world and the people around me uh and and the, uh, mystical is just a word that kind of comes to mind for me there the idea of of a universal presence of christ 
is language that's becoming a lot more meaningful because it's mysterious, because it doesn't make sense, but it's something that I can I can encounter in the stories and the experiences and the beliefs of other people uh, in ways that that's not a threat to me anymore. And that's actually exciting. And it, it deepens my own faith in so many ways and, and enriches my perspectives on the world and helps me love people better. Amen to that. I would use the clapping media piece we have, but it doesn't yeah. work today. So <laughs> I'll just do this. Well done. Oh, thanks, Tim. Um, I, I think overall as an organization, you know, we did a lot of stuff. We became a nonprofit, uh, which is which is wild. Our our podcast surpassed uh, five hundred thousand downloads this year, which is a big deal for me. It's not nearly as big, you know, as Pete ends, but we'll get there one day. We'll, we'll get there one day. Um, <laughs> one day there honestly, will be two God ordained podcasts on the internet. <laughs> and, and we we really interviewed some amazing people. I mean, oh God, if you yeah. look back through through our list. We have a ton of episodes out covering all kinds of topics with, with amazing guests. Um, and, you know that we covered Matt Chandler. We we had Dr. Angela Parker on, and, and all kinds of people. So I think that that's amazing. My question, Noah, is what do you think twenty twenty three will look like for us? Ooh. Well, I know we've mentioned it briefly on a couple episodes ago, but one of the things I'm really excited about is this other podcast with Hope that's just focused on telling people's stories and. You know, being able to move forward with some of these other projects that we've been kind of dreaming about for a while of of having experts come on and make some of these short form videos explaining concepts in really condensed ways that make a lot of sense. But I think more than that, those are some of like the maybe the, the goals that we see. But I think that just continuing to hold space for people and, and the work that's happening in the Facebook groups and the Instagram through the stories. And to me, that kind of work is just increasingly, I'm, I'm realizing how incredibly important that is. And the couple of times where I've had the opportunity to kind of jump on and engage with people there, uh, you know, and make a couple of reels and then have conversations with people in the DMs while you were away on vacation or, uh, you know, doing important lifestyle, like having, like having a baby. I don't know. And um, <laughs> being able to like connect with people and just share a moment with them and realizing like how incredibly important that is for both of us, both the person, me and the person I'm talking to and how, how meaningful that is. I think that that aspect is the thing I'm ex most excited about is just continuing to hold space for people and create community where it feels like there isn't any. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Um, there's a lot of work to do in 2023 for sure. We're, Focus more on educational type content. I do want to do some more YouTube type videos. Yeah. I think that there's such a missed opportunity for us because long form content is so key because it, it it makes room for nuance and context and and wrestling through things. And I think YouTube's great for that. Obviously, we want to continue to develop the sense of community that we have here. I mean, we, we have 6,000 people in our Facebook group right now. And it's a, it's a private group. It's not public. So that's just amazing. It's super active, which I think is beautiful. We answered about 10,000 DMs this year, we estimate in, on Instagram. So it, it's been quite the year, but I think there is, you know, there's just more space to hold for more people. I think ultimately, while, 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 while not um, compromising our, our, our mission statement, Right. I think that's so important that we always, I mean, we don't even, uh, for example, I, I don't drop numbers as far as like how many downloads we do 
super often these days. I mean, I dropped it here because it's the end of the year recap, but numbers are can be helpful for sure. They let us know, okay, like, yeah, we're reaching a lot of people, but more importantly, like, are, are people engaged? Are they finding help here? Um, are they finding friendships here? Are they finding a place where they can, where, where, where we can hold space for them as they navigate their own journey? And I think I, I measure that now more in like, um, uh, DMs uh, given or or feedback given, you know, and it just seems like it's been a, a really great year for that. But I think there's just more work to do in 2023. So we're launching our second podcast soon, um, which is just really storytelling of people in our community, which will be amazing. We're, we're, we're working on our pilot episode of that docuseries that we teased over a year ago because we, we finally had the funding for that first episode. So we're shooting that in January. So there's definitely a lot more to come as far as hopefully elevating stories so people feel seen and feel heard while also creating content that hopefully is educational, hopefully holds the church accountable and also lets people know that they're not alone in their faith journey. So it's a lot of things that we have to do this year for sure. But luckily for all of us, we have an amazing team of people who work with us. I think we have like 24 volunteers now between all across all of our channels that either help out with, with, with running the Facebook group or podcast stuff or show notes like Carrie does all of her show notes for the podcast research, which is Dan and Riley. Um, we have an accountant, et cetera, just to keep everything you know working. So without them, this stuff is impossible, but I, I think I think it's gonna be a good year. Uh, is, is is my guess? I'm excited, and especially coming out of these trips the past couple months, I'm just oh. I'm ready to go, man. Next thing, let's do it. Same, same. <laughs> keep, well, keep the train rolling. Yeah, no, with you and friends. You know, seriously, a sincere thank you to all of you who listened this year to the podcast. I've gotten quite a few messages of people who discovered us recently and are are binging the episodes, and that just means the world to Noah and I that that you would yeah. take time out of your day to listen to my voice or Noah's voice uh, or the people that we're interviewing. I hope that this podcast overall has been helpful for you. I'm sure it, it might invoke different emotions based on the content, whether it's frustration, anger, maybe it's, it's joy, or maybe it's just peace, but I really appreciate you listening. I mean, 500,000 downloads is no small feat um, this year. And it's because of people like you. So a sincere thank you. And we're really looking forward to 2023. If you have any feedback on, on what type of podcast content you want to hear, what kind of guests you want to hear more of, what types of formats you want to hear more of, send us an email, thenewevangelicals at gmail.com. Or you can slide into our Instagram DMs at the New Evangelicals and give us feedback. We're always willing to hear it. And we really appreciate you being here with us you know, for this year, we wish all of you a safe and happy new year. Any final words, Noah, for from you, the podcast producer, producer <laughs> guru? Oh, please never call me a guru again. <laughs> uh, just, uh, I think for me, just a sincere thank you to everyone that I've gotten to meet over the past year through this community. Uh, it's been so meaningful in my life and filled a huge need for community and for friendship. And so, just thanks. And thanks for listening to me ramble and try to put my thoughts together because <laughs> even that I'm, I'm glad it's meaningful to somebody. I don't know why you do it, but, but uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be a part of the community and I uh, can't wait for next year. No, I feel the same way. I'm like people, I feel like, like I'm always fumbling over my words trying to get oh them gosh, out. Yeah. And then someone's like, this episode helped me so much. I'm like, I'm so glad because I felt like a complete doofus the entire time. Right. So. <laughs> Oh, dude, it's like, it, literally, as soon as we end this this conversation, t give me 20 minutes, I'm going to be like, man, 
I really butchered <laughs> my like explanation of mysticism and liberation theology. But you know what? Doesn't matter. It's real. It is what it is. I'm tired. It's the morning. Yeah, this right. Is exactly. Me. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, friends. Good talking to all of you. Have a great new year. We'll talk to you in 2023. See ya.